This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. You join me back in my usual surroundings. A day trip away in Oxford is sometimes what's needed and it meant that I didn't have to watch yesterday's game, which uh, for a lot of people that tweeted me afterwards was, was quite a bit of a blessing in disguise. However... I did have the uh, the task of watching it back and uh, looking into it. And it's something that we're going to be discussing plenty of and the fallout of that in today's show and obviously into the week as well. Got some shows lined up for you guys with some fantastic guests, some stuff to talk about too. But first things first, I hope that you are well. I hope you're doing good and enjoying the start of your week, brand new week to experience before the Premier League gets back underway next week, next Friday, specifically too against Brentford. But we do have one more preseason game against Spurs at the weekend on Sunday. One for you guys to sink your teeth into, I am sure. I believe it's that. It might be Saturday. Saturday is at the weekend. That's all we need to know. But if you could drop a like on the video, I really would appreciate it. And subscribe to the channel if you're new around here. If you would like to help support the channel even more, you can vote for us in the Football Content Awards. We're telling you to do this every single day. Please be voting as much as you feasibly can. You just need to tweet. I am voting for at the Talk TV in at the underscore FCAs for hashtag best club creator. If you don't have Twitter, you can go to the description of today's video and it will give you some instructions of how you can vote outside of this. Thank you ever so much first things first though before we go into the news i've got a bit of an announcement for you guys and you may have been seeing some of the uh videos that i said we're going to be doing throughout the season uh we're going to be doing this tactical breakdown uh show called the report in which we follow kind of arsenal's lone players we're doing one on saliba every single month we're giving you an update on how saliba's getting on at marseille how john jules is getting on at blackpool and on how daniel ballard is getting on uh, at Millwall as well. And uh, an amazing kind of announcement for us today is that uh, we're also going to be covering not just those guys on loan, but we're going to have a dedicated show for you every single month 
talking about Arsenal's youth team and how they're getting on players like Miguel Aziz, if he hasn't, of course, been promoted. If Foller and Balogun isn't getting in the team, of course, how's he? He'd be getting on within some of the other 23 matches. Charlie Patino, of course, who is a very, very highly rated young player throughout the side. Uh, Mika Biref, who we just signed from Fulham. Um, but I'm going to be joined by Next Generation Arsenal, who I'm sure plenty of you guys follow on Twitter, at Scouting Indoors. Uh, Kev, you probably will know him without even knowing that you're following him because he's one of uh, the best follows on social media for youth football and specifically for Arsenal. Uh, so every month I'm going to be having a chat with him. Um, but tonight I'm actually going to be doing a live show chat with Kev talking about lots of Arsenal youth stuff, talking about Miguel Aziz, talking about how he feels about following Balogun, getting into the Arsenal first team. Is the hype surrounding Charlie Patino genuine and what we can expect from him and what he thinks about the signing of Mika Bira plus a lot more. So make sure you tune in tonight, 8pm UK time. We're going to be talking about lots of stuff to do with these guys and more. So please make sure you do indeed tune in for that tonight live at 8pm. Let's crack on with today's news though and we start off with of course talking about the fallout from the friendly yesterday against Chelsea which Arsenal lost 2-1. There were some good performances, there were some not so good performances but this man, Ben White, made his debut and made an impact almost immediately goal line save from uh, Hakim Ziyech. I mean, he should have scored. <laughs> Let's be real. Ziyech should have put it away long before he gave the opportunity for Ben White to come in. But the fact that he never gave up on that opportunity, got back, got the block in, great bit of play, showed exactly what we've needed. Someone with the composure and the different next level kind of thinking in those high pressure scenarios. He was good. And I'm excited to see what Ben White can provide us for the rest of the season and, of course, into the future as well. One player, though, that had a contrasting performance was Hector Bellerin, who came on and decided to pass the ball straight to Tammy Abraham um, after we got ourselves back into the game. Didn't do that great in terms of boosting his value or convincing potential suitors to come in with a sizable bid. it was disappointing. We'll come on to him a little bit more in a a second. Another player had a good performance, though, when he came on was Joe Willock, hit the the bar, and let's be real, he scored this. He didn't score because it didn't count, but he scored because it was a goal. And for some reason, uh, the Emirates can't afford to install goal line technology um, in a friendly. For some, I don't know why. I, I have no logistical sense of, of why there was no goal line technology in a friendly. Um, it, it just wasn't there and it should have been 2-2. But uh, we'll look... Great strike, great goal, uh, just wasn't, unfortunately, counted. Um, and on those two, Mikel Arteta did speak after the game in which he provided updates when asked. And he said specifically on those two and others uh, that were obviously linked with moves away like Torreira, Kalasnach, Xhaka. Um, but specifically, he spoke about these guys uh, separately to Xhaka, who we'll talk about in a second. He said, I don't know regarding their future. He says, I'm going to coach them and train them and respect and look after everybody because they are our players. Hopefully they can have their minds here and prepare here because they are Arsenal players and our job is to make them as good as we can. And I wouldn't expect any kind of other answer, to be honest, uh, from Mikel Arteta. This was on Bellerin and Willock and, and obviously the other players like Torreira, etc., Kolasinac that were linked with moves away from the club and Ketia Reese-Nelson also. Um, I'd be shocked if Bellerin's still here by the end of the window. I wouldn't be shocked to see Willock still here, and we'll come on to that in a second. In, in fact, we'll go on into it right now because Ian McGarry from the Transfer Window podcast has says that his information is that Newcastle have made an improved offer in terms of a loan fee to take Joe Willock again for a season. Arsenal have declined that offer, and in doing so, informed the player and his agent that he is in Mikel Arteta's plans, having proven himself in the division with Newcastle United. So if you are hoping to see Joe Willock stay, Vinny, I know you're one of them, one of our members, 
um, you will be very happy to hear those words coming out. We have to, of course, see if this does turn out to be legit. Um, but Ian McGarry, host of the uh, Transfer Window podcast alongside uh, Castles, is, is, you know, he's had some information that's been fairly spot on about certain things. So we'll see if it does turn out indeed to be true. Maybe this puts an end to Arsenal's search for other positions on the pitch. Maybe it's to do with certain injuries, which we also need to talk about. But before we do, Granit Xhaka um, played, scored, um, of which confused a lot of people when I tweeted. I was away, so I was getting kind of these notifications filter through about goals. So when I got the notification about Granit Xhaka scoring, um, by that time, Tammy Abraham had actually scored in real life. And Granit Xhaka was passed, well, attempted to be passed too by Hector Bellerin in that moment. So when I tweeted saying, of course, hashtag Xhaka, in response to me getting a notification about his goal. A lot of people seem to think I was talking about him being at fault for the Abraham goal, which I certainly wasn't. It's just when you're away and you're getting these notifications about goals going in, they don't actually happen in real time, which is a bit annoying. And of course, the tweet was slightly late. So apologies for those that were confused about my tweet. It was indeed about him scoring and not about a mistake by very clearly not him, but Hector Bellerin. But uh, Mikel Arteta said that Granite is going to stay with us. He's a player that we rate and value so much. He's a key member of our squad. He's trained two days. He wanted to play today. And I think it's very clear commitment from his side that he wants to be here. So for those of you that were pining uh, in the hope that he would indeed move on from the club this summer, I am apo- apologise, but... Uh, for me, it's it's looking like it's not going to happen. Um, speaking of the midfield poor performances, Mohamed Elneny again had a very difficult game. We do desperately need to bring someone in. Sambi Lakonga, by the way, whoa, what a player we seem to have got on our hands with that kid. And Tavares, uh, Tavares Uai was very critical of against Watford. Had a great game uh, when he came on and, and did really well down that left flank. So um, really uh, impressed by those two. It's about being critical when they, you know, are, are not necessarily the best. And it's about praising them when they do well. That's what it's about. It's putting agendas aside and, and being as analytical as feasibly possible. And I thought, and then he worked great. Jacka came on, did a good job. Bellerin, terrible. Ben White, good. Tavaj, good. Sambi Lakonga, great. Partey, before his injury, speaking of which, was great as well. Um, but by the way, Granit Xhaka did indeed uh, put on his Instagram page last night that it felt good, really good to be home. So uh, there's a, a small commitment online for those of you that saying, oh, he's been saying all this stuff in the media. Well, there's something in the media to uh, hopefully turn things around for you slightly. Moving on to Thomas Partey and uh, Dr. Rajpal Bra. Um, obviously, he was someone on, on Twitter, a verified account, tweeting out information regarding injuries um, and, and how long players might be out for. He identified, in his mind anyway, that Thomas Partey could leave him out for four to six weeks. He says, found the specific mechanism of the injury for Partey in that picture you can see on the right-hand side. This is typically indicative of a high ankle sprain, a.k.a. a syndesmotic tear. Uh, these typically come for four to six weeks return timeline if a grade one injury. And a recent example of this is Harry Maguire. Now, there was an image that did emerge on social media several hours later of Partey supposedly in Paddington. If this was an up-to-date photo, he wasn't wearing any kind of protective boot. It didn't look like he was standing awkwardly. Great detective work from Arsenal fans out there if that is indeed an up-to-date photo, um, but we don't know. Uh, Mikel Arteta did say that he is set to undergo a scan today, so we will probably find out more about Partey in the lead-up to the Spurs game when Mikel Arteta has another press conference or after the Spurs game indeed, but I'm sure that we'll find out some information. But what it could do is it could accelerate Arsenal's plans for a central midfielder this summer, and specifically uh, Bruno Guimaraes, um, our Brazilian target from Leon and uh, Partey's injury may indeed mean 
that Arsenal indeed step up their interest in the Brazilian midfielder and any other midfield target, of course. But there was reports that Arsenal were preparing a bid of around 30 million euros for the Leon midfielder. And that may indeed now be very much accelerated with Thomas Partey's potential injury and the very questionable performance from Mohamed Elneny, hopefully showing that we desperately need to improve the quality and depth in our midfield. And Gimaraes would certainly provide that. Now, Kolasinac and Cedric um, were obviously involved throughout pre-season, despite their futures not necessarily being completely um, sorted. Cedric's more so than Kolasinac. Kolasinac is definitely expected to move on. And actually, Turkish side Fenerbahce are interested in both players, um, both Bosnian and Portuguese internationals, and I would be looking to bring them in this season. Kolasinac is actually supposedly in talks with Arsenal to terminate his current deal, which would hopefully done by mutual consent and therefore we wouldn't have to pay any kind of fee amount into the rest of his one-year wages, which would be quite a lot considering he's on over 100 grand a week. So you're looking at over five million pounds. So hopefully that can be sorted out. Cedric, though, I'd be shocked to see him leave, to be honest. I think that Arteta certainly does see him as a backup option at Arsenal alongside Callum Chambers to the right-back position and maybe even as a starting option should we not bring in a right-back. So the future of those two, I think Kalasnach very much more looking like it could go. Cedric, though, looking like more so in my mind anyway, that it would be surprising to see him leave. Uh, moving specifically then on our last story and Tammy Abraham, who did score for Chelsea yesterday in the friendly, a very, very uh, <laughs> kind gift from Hector Bellerin and um, obviously scored uh, and very comfortably put the ball away. Really clinical finisher as we know that he can be and has been a clinical finisher for Chelsea and for Villa and for the teams he's been on loan with since coming to the fore on the senior game. And Chelsea have supposedly still told him that he can leave and they've slashed their asking price to around £30 million. And reports emerged yesterday that he himself prefers a move to Arsenal over pretty much any other target, including the other main competitor being West Ham United. I'd be surprised to see this happen still. Uh, £30 million is more reasonable. I still don't think it's a fair price. I think £25 million is, is probably more fair. Lautaro Martinez, the Inter Milan striker, continues to be linked with a move to Arsenal. No updates from yesterday's show, but he continues to be a man that is seemingly on the Gunners' radar. And I'd much prefer we spent a marquee figure on someone like him over a Tammy Abraham. But... We'll wait and see, indeed, if anything happens. And that does indeed conclude the news. Now, I didn't do a raw reaction show, of course, to yesterday's game. I was out uh, and away, enjoying myself on the uh, rivers of Oxford, uh, as you probably saw on Twitter yesterday, which was a nice detox from the Arsenal uh, chaos that was going on. And then I had a two and a half drive, a two and a half hour drive home, in which before I left, I tweeted out saying, any standout performances, what did you think? And when I got home, a torrent of replies uh, came back of people very quite incensed over the pre-season friendly. Now, I'm well aware of the fact we're up against Premier League opposition and it's a good kind of indicator of how maybe Arsenal are ahead of the new season. It is still a pre-season game that should be taken into account. And actually, considering the fact that we we're up against the European champions and we should have been coming away with a 2-2 draw had goal line technology been in place... I don't think that's too bad. Now, there were some performances that were very questionable, and I think the actual tactics of the game were a little bit concerning. Seeing Rob Holding push so far, in fact, seeing both Rob Holding and Pablo Marie push so far up at times against a side like Chelsea that showed that they could hit us on the break very dangerously, I thought was a little bit of a naive tactic from Mikel Arteta and hopefully something that he's a little bit more conservative about when we go into those big games against Chelsea and Manchester City in the early parts of the season. Ben White coming in showed to me 
the massive step up in quality in just that small game. It is only a small sample size, of course, but hopefully he goes on in the Premier League to prove that he is indeed that big step up that we've desperately, desperately needed. And for me anyway, I'm not going to lose my mind about a preseason friendly. I'll lose my mind when we go into the first three games if we lose them all. That's when I'll start losing my mind. But to really expend so much negative energy around a preseason friendly is just not what I'm about. And I'm not about that whatsoever. It's frustrating. And what it did show me that is that clearly we've got a lot of work still to do in the transfer window. And hopefully that we can still do that. We need to move on a fair few players. We need to bring in a fair few quality players as well. And hopefully we can do that. But it is frustrating that Arsenal have not been able to do that yet. And I think that's probably, probably anyway, what has been kind of the main issues for me. But I do feel like if we came out of that game with the 2-2 draw, which should have been what it was, it was a 2-2 draw, Willock scored, then maybe the, the fallout from that may not have been as kind of vitriolic as it was on the socials last night. Let's go into the chat box, low and see what you guys are saying and feeling and thinking about the transfer window and, of course, Arsenal's game yesterday against Chelsea too. Um, Bollat says, uh, thoughts on White's performance? He looks and is class, but he might need some time to adapt. And he's still young and mainly played in a back three at Brighton, did he not? Nice to see a calm centre-back. He did mainly play in a back three at Brighton. Um, he has played in a back four. He played in a back four for England under Gareth Southgate in those two friendlies leading up to the... Uh, European Championships. I'm excited about him, uh, but I really am genuinely. I'm excited to see what he can do, what he can bring to the team, what the level of uh, kind of improvement in that area of defence is going to be, and who his partner is going to be. Gabriel is, of course, injured at the start of the season. We imagine it's probably going to be Pablo Marie to kick things off, but it could still be Rob Holding. could be Callum Chambers. He's very versatile, Ben White. I'm sure that he could play on the left-hand side of the defence as well. So we will wait and see who his partner in certainly turns out to be. Uh, Zaran. Uh, says, why are Leon not interested in Laka again? A swap player with Gimaraes and Depay going to Barca. Now, Leon's striking department, I know they've got, uh, is it Toko Akambi? Uh, obviously, as you say, Memphis Depay did move off to uh, to Barcelona. Uh, they've got, I'm looking at their transfers this season, they've brought in uh, a centre-forwards, uh, obviously, Moussa Dembele's come back from Atletico Madrid. They've brought in Lenny Pinto uh, from Troyes. Interested to see how he gets on at the club this summer. But in terms of their actual squad and the strikers that they've got available to them, Leon, they've got uh, a couple of 18-year-olds in Eli Wisser and uh, Seku Lega. Uh, Lenny Pinto, we just talked about. They've got Islam Slimani still there. Um, Tino Cadawera, uh, I know plenty of you will be well aware of him, and uh, Tawakoa Kambi and Musa Dembele as well. So they are quite well stocked in the striking department. I'm not that in-depth knowledge on how good Leon's striking force is, and Jeremy Smith will be able to correct me, and Chris Carpenter as well, on that. But I'm not sure that they'd be too interested in spending the money because they need to make money, these French teams. You aren't going to be seeing too many French clubs besides the obvious uh, spending a lot of money this summer, I imagine, because of the situation there. So... I'm not sure that they'd be going in for, for Lacazette, to be honest. Patrick Ross says, Partey, very injury-prone. We need a quality backup. And now this, this again, is really frustrating. <laughs> Partey is not injury-prone. The words injury-prone get thrown around so... He, he never got injured. Never got injured before he came to Arsenal, ever. It wasn't injury-prone. It was the complete opposite of injury-prone. And just because he got injured yesterday because of a stupid foul does not make him injury-prone. It was an awful challenge that put his ankle underneath the body of the player. 
That doesn't make him injury prone. That tackle injures anyone. So can we please stop using this word so frivolously? Because it's just it's so used in an inco- people called Tarek Lamptey injury prone. He's a 20-year-old kid that got one big injury and all of a sudden he's injury prone. It's utter honestly, I find it ridiculous. So please use the words injury prone for players that genuinely Renato Sanchez. There's an injury-prone player, someone that has continuous multiple muscle injuries over and over again that misses 12 on average games per season for like the last three to four years. That's That, for me, is, is the thing. Let's, let's not throw around these, these silly terms. It's really, really interesting how we use these terms so strangely. Uh, Abe says, I'm a huge fan of Leno, but unfortunately he needs to be replaced. What are your thoughts on Livakovic? Uh, Zagreb Livakovic, of course, was the Croatian national goalkeeper at the Euros. Had a very decent time uh, there. Certainly was advised to stay on his line after Patrick Schick had uh, lobbed the Scottish goalkeeper in their group. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I saw him in the Euros. Yeah, it's a decent game. Made some good saves. Conceded a fair few goals still as well. Um, but I genuinely don't know enough to, to you know, put, uh, put put an opinion down on him to say he'd be worth it because I just don't know enough about him. Abe, apologies. Uh, Rahul says, Tom, do you think we need another keeper after seeing Leno's disastrous performance? I think we need a goalkeeper. I think we've needed a goalkeeper for a long time. Who that goalkeeper is, I would have loved to, to have been Andre Nana. I thought that was a perfect choice. Someone who's better than Leno, someone that's better at distribution than Leno, someone that's better than in so many other aspects than Leno. And he's cheap and he's available. Yes, we want to have until November, but that's, you know, we've got Leno there until that time if we need him. I just think that that would have been a much, much better choice uh, than, than bringing and, and sticking with Leno or bringing in someone like a, a Ramsdale for 26 million quid, which, by the way, has gone very quiet. And we've not heard anything about moves for a backup goalkeeper. Runnison was in the squad yesterday, along with Artur Okonkwo, uh, because his move to, to Alte Sport broke down and they are now looking at other alternatives for Runnison. So, We'll wait and see. But it just seems crazy to me that we haven't yet kind of really pushed for that position because it's so important, this window. So, so important. Uh, Miwan says, Tom, who would you much prefer? Partey, Lekonga or Xhaka or a Partey double pivot? I wouldn't go for a Partey, Lekonga, I think that's far too negative. Uh, I'd like a Willock, Lekonga, Partey type combination. Lokonga playing in the sixth role, Partey and, and Willock playing together. I think that's something that could certainly work. And I think we'll give Willock the freedom to attack and get forward and get into the box. I like the idea of a Gimaraish playing behind Partey and someone else as well. Maybe Lokonga could play in a slightly advanced role as an eight rather than a six, but he can play both roles. There's lots of options if we bring someone in. And, and that's the big thing about this summer is we need to bring desperately someone into the team this summer. Jamie Middleton says, uh, we won't do anything this year without a better goalkeeper and right back. Do you think we will get new players in these key positions? Jamie, the ultimate answer to your question is that we have absolutely no idea if we will or not. Do I hope? Yes. Do I expect? I kind of do expect us to improve at goalkeeper. Right back, I'm not so sure. It all depends upon whether Bellerin leaves. But goalkeeper, we have an absence there. We know that Brett Matt and Ryan left at the, last of it, like, at the end of last season. So we have an absence. So you would expect us to go and bring someone in and we look like we're bidding for goalkeepers as well. So you think we will. Right back, I'm not so sure, Jamie, I'm afraid. Uh, Usman says, Tom, do you know what's up with Ben White's contract and the add-ons we paid on top of the £50 million? I don't, Usman. As far as I was aware, it sounded like there wasn't any add-ons, to be honest, and it was just a straight £50 million deal with a sell-on clause inserted into the contract. But uh, see if you can find any conflicting information to that. 
Uh, play Tavares at right back, CA? Absolutely not. Um, if you want better defensive stability, it's not by playing a left back at right back, especially someone of questionable talent at defending as, as Tavares is. Uh, Wilson says, why are you still so obsessed with Zobosla? Everyone knows you absolutely adore the player. <laughs> obsessed is the wrong word. I'm appreciative of the player and I hope you enjoyed the exclusive interview with him the other day. Uh, Jibril says, Xhaka provided some inspiration, forward-thinking passes, but followed it up with some lapses in judgment. Let's hope for the best during the season. We know what we get with Xhaka. There's absolutely no debate around the Granite Xhaka performances. People saying that he's rubbish are wrong. People saying that he's amazing are wrong. He's a solidly just decent midfielder. Like, that's all Granite Xhaka is. Um, I just think he's someone that adds plenty of passing quality, leadership skills into the middle of the pitch, which I saw a comment yesterday on one of the videos saying, can we stop going on about Granite Xhaka's leadership qualities? Are we mad? Like, that's one of the key parts of his game is his leadership. Why are we stop, going to stop talking about it? Just because it doesn't suit an agenda to really slam a player. And I'm someone that's just content with him. I want to see his upgrade upon Granite Xhaka. But let's not just be irrational. That's one of the things I really struggle with at times with, the, with elements of the fan base is the irrationality of criticism of players. Saying that we should stop talking about one of the better qualities of a player just because it doesn't suit how one person feels about them is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to do that. Like, Xhaka has absolute moments of lapses in judgment and really genuinely, if we have the opportunity to, should be upgraded upon without question. But there's no way that someone can turn to me and say that he's a bad player because he's just, just not true. I just think he's slightly above average. And I think that someone that's slightly above average starting for Arsenal is just not good enough. And we do need to improve upon that. He's just decent. But he has too many, you know, faults in his game to be a consistent starter for Arsenal, in my view. But, you know, if we'd have let... I'll tell you what, he's not a 15 million euro player. That's for sure. In my view, he's more than 20 million quid, to be honest. He's 28 years old. He's got a couple of years left on his deal. He's more than 20 million. We never should have accepted anything close to 15 million euros. It was, a, frankly, a joke bid from Roma. And I'm glad that the club are going down the route that they are. But I also am desperate to see us upgrade upon that position because it is a position that we need to upgrade upon. Absolutely. Uh, Anthony says, Tom, Jack would be the second best centre mid at Brighton, Palace and Southampton and third at Everton. And that is a problem. It also goes to show you the quality of those teams that they've got in that midfield. So, I mean, you, you think about Brighton, Basuma, I'd take Basuma over um, over Xhaka any day of the week. Uh, James Ward-Prowse is, is a very good centre midfielder that I would take from Southampton. And Everton, I mean, Alan is very good, but I wouldn't take him right now because of the age profile situation. But Abdoulaye Decore is a similar kind of age profile situation. Um, I think it's close between Decore and Xhaka, to be honest. I think Decore, had a, he struggled a bit last season. He had a really good start to the campaign, but really did trail off towards the second half of the season. So but it's, it's kind of touch and go. But certainly Alan, James Ward-Prowse, Basuma, they're better players, but smaller teams have good players in their teams. Like they're always going to have one or two that are going to be better. I mean, you look at Villa with Grealish and now Buendia, of course. You look at teams further down the table that, that have done really well with some of the players in their sides. Mateus Pereira got relegated with West Brom, really, really good player. Vinalden was very close down to the bottom of the league with Newcastle before he signed for Liverpool. So the, the example, kind of the theory of using teams that are lower down having a better player in a position than us. I see the theory, but it's 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 not a it's not kind of a 
a solid 100% working kind of theory because those teams will have some quality players that we just want. And Brighton had a really good centre-back and we went and bought him. So, you know, you think about it like that. Um, let's have a look. Constantine says, uh, don't forget, guys, Xhaka had only one training session before yesterday's game. I mean, I'm not going to throw excuses out like one training session. We know what we get, as we've talked about from Granite Xhaka. We know what we're going to get for the guy. We know what you're going to get from him. So I don't think it's about making excuses like he only had a couple of training sessions because it's not enough. He, we know that in a full season, he makes mistakes. So it's not about that. I just think that it's important that you're just a bit more level-headed. Uh, Patrick says, again, if Xhaka is all that, why is no club willing to pay? And I'll, I've talked about this before, Patrick. The reason why you're not seeing anyone going for the genuine price for Granite Xhaka is because no Premier League team right now is coming in for Granite Xhaka because the teams that he would want to go to and that would you know that are good enough for him are in the top half of the table. And they're pretty much set those teams for their midfields that you're not going to see them there's no need for those teams to come in for granite jacker as we've talked about he's about as good if not slightly better or slightly worse than some of the players that we've just talked about so no one's going to be coming in for him the teams that were going to be coming in for granite jacker this summer would be on the continent that would be paying that kind of figure and for leagues that would really suit his style like Serie A, for instance the problem is is the continent's been so affected by the pandemic you're never going to see them come in for the figures that he genuinely is worth right now so that's why. So it's not an indicative kind of theory with Granite Xhaka. It's also what goes down to kind of the whole Ruben Neves thing. One minute I'm told he's not good enough, but then Manchester United want him. So if Manchester United want him, surely by that theory, he's good enough for Arsenal. So that that kind of trailer thought has not really got any kind of legitimacy behind it, in my view. Uh, Paul Gaia says that uh, the passing to Xhaka by Leno is the issue. The same mistake that cost us in the game at Burnley. When will we learn? I mean, we talk about Leno um, making those passes, but he's instructed to do that. He's told to do that. <laughs> That's how he's coached, to, to play those passes. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the pass he played to El Elneny against uh, Watford. Was it Watford? I think it was. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with that pass. I think how El Elneny dealt with that situation what was what was wrong with that. And we just don't seem to have the quick quickness of thought in our midfield to deal with those situations to play out from the back. But that should be on the coach to then say, look, we don't have the quality right now to do what we're trying to do. So let's not force it because we're going to make mistakes and concede goals. That's that's the issue that we find ourselves in right now. Tivo Pest says, uh, we need more mobility, uh, mobility and athleticism. Chelsea had four sprinters up front and we just struggled to cope. Lukonga looks good, but please get Basuma to add more protection to the back four. Again, I, I have changed my mind about this. Mobility and athleticism are great. But to be honest, that's that's not the key factor that's missing from the Granite Xhaka role. The key quality, the key characteristic that is missing from the Granite Xhaka role is technicality, ability on the ball, so that when Leno turns and plays that ball into him at close range, he has the, the, the kind of peace of mind, the ability on the ball to turn away from the player and the play the right pass, the quickness of thought. It's not about how fast you are. It's not about how agile you are necessarily. It's not about how of much of an athlete you are. I think we're putting way too much emphasis on these words like mobility and athleticism. It's not about that. You can go and get a really quick centre midfielder, but they may not have the technicality to get us out of those situations. It's the technical skill that needs adding into the midfield and not necessarily the athleticism, which is why I'm very much on board with someone like Ruben Neves over a Granite Xhaka, because whilst Granite Xhaka is great with his passing, 
great with his playing into the wide areas to set us off down the wing. What he lacks is that technical skill to take the ball, turn, take on a player, move through the midfield and progress. I think lekonga has got some real potential there to be that guy. But a Ruben Neves doesn't sit and win free kicks in his own half like Granit Xhaka does. Ruben Neves gets the ball, turns, takes the player on, beats his man, plays the ball forwards. And more directly, hence why he's got a greater pass into the box statistics stat. Like that, for me, is what's missing. So when we talk about mobility, we talk about athleticism, which I was about a month ago. I've changed my mind on this. This is just, it's not that raw. It's not that analog to say, yes, we need more mobility and athleticism. Technical ability in a midfielder is what we need. And Bruno Guimaraes is, is certainly someone that I'd love to see in that role. I think that um, Ruben Neves, as I've said, and Basuma adds more mobility, more coverage, but his technical ability is not on the same level as a Neves or as a uh, as a Gimaraes. Now, I want Basuma because I think he still adds in really key aspects of the midfield that we need. But let's not pretend that he's a player that he isn't. I think it's maybe an area of his game that he needs to improve is his technical ability on the ball. But he's still really good. He is more mobile than Xhaka. He can turn faster when off the ball than Xhaka. He can have, he's got much better recovery pace. His discipline and positioning is better. His spatial awareness is better. His timing of the challenges is better than Xhaka. And that's why I would happily take Basuma to be our number six. But for people saying that we desperately need just more mobility and athleticism alone, I don't agree with that. It is the technical ability in the midfield that we desperately need to improve upon in my, in my view. Anyway, um, Paul Guy says press resistant players in those areas is the key. And exactly. And technical skills, what gets you, Paul, out of those areas is when you've got teams pressing you and you've got two players on you, having that technical skill to one, be able to take players on or move into the right spaces, but also have that spatial awareness to know where your teammates are and the quickness of thought and the footballing brain to play the right pass at the right time. That's what's been lacking in our midfield. So, sure, get a midfielder that can run for days. Great. I can I can throw you out a million midfielders that are quite quick, but I don't want a million midfielders that are quite quick. I want a midfielder that's, you know, quite fast as a, you know, as a ballpark, but someone that the characteristic that I'm going for is not athleticism ability. It's, it's just not that. It's just misplaced. It's a FIFA way of thinking. It's, it's, it's how I put it. Yes, fill my team with loads of 90 pace players. No, it's not FIFA. It's real life. And the first touch and technical skill is what is what separates top quality players from the rest. There are plenty of players playing down your Sunday league that are faster than plenty of the Premier League players that are there. But sorry, their first touch technical skill is the reason why they're amateurs and why these guys are professionals. And it is that technical skill that we have been missing on a higher level from what we've already got right now. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. No Sleep says you want a player to beat the high press, but when you are a player, a high line, you also need recovery pace. Yeah, recovery pace is, is fine, but it's recovery pace combined no sleep. This is the problem is we're thinking too blinkered. We're looking at a perception of going, yes, we need mobility. I'm desperate for mobility. Oh, this person's arguing that we need technical skills. So the counter argument to that is to say that we need recovery pace. Well, why are they not one and the same? Why can't I have both? Why can't I have someone that has recovery pace and technical skill? That's that's what would lean me away from Basuma to other targets. Whilst I think Basuma is a better is an upgrade on what we've got, if there is an option to go and get someone like Basuma who's also got the better technical ability, absolutely go and do it. And I prioritize that over Premier League experience all day long. All day long. So that's the issue. Recovery pace, great. I want both. 
I want my players to be as good enough to push us towards that top four, not just because I like a player and I like Basum. That's that's the issue. Um, probably not me, says uh, Big True. Uh, everyone can hit the gym, but not everyone has the dedication and practice of the first touch and the weak foot for hours every day. And some of these things are just natural. Some of these things are just plain gifted. Like Santi Cazorra, I saw someone put into the chat box. Let me give you credit. Where are you? Where are you? I saw it. There you go. Vendor. Santi Cazorla was a perfect example of this. Santi Cazorla could play a deeper role in the midfield towards the latter stages of his career when he moved away from the number 10 position after we signed Mesa Ozil because he had the technical skill to beat a player. You watch that, uh, the watch that movement in the game against Manchester City, I think in 2015, where he just takes a touch and beats like five players. He's not fast, Cazorla. He was never fast. He just had that quick feet and technical skill to beat his man in the middle and open up space for us. And that's the myth of football is that you desperately need rapid players. Cazorla wasn't fast. Cazorla was one of the slower midfielders in our team. But because of the way he could move the ball so quickly with his feet, he appeared faster than what he was. And so that's the situation. That's that's the change that we need. Uh, Pebo says, hi, Tom. Uh, are you worried about us heading into the new season and we do uh, and do we need a striker? Uh, yeah, I am worried about us now. I, I am worried. So there is a worry in my mind growing about the lack of outs, the lack of ins in certain departments and how well some of the other teams are looking. Yes, Man United have lost their preseason game. Yes, Bayern Munich looks silly if we were basing our preseason off like, how we might perform. Bayern are getting relegated. <laughs> but the point is, is that there are kind of some technical things. There are some tactical things like the press, the way in which we overcommit the centre-backs. That's something that I'm concerned about. That's that's the issue for me. So, yes, I am worried. Do I think that we need a striker? Bamiyang's bad patch, as Osman tweeted yesterday, does not seem to be anyway just a bad patch. And it's going on a little bit too long. If we can get a striker, I think I would do it. Um, I'm growing gradually, uh, much more in favour of the striking option. And uh, it is down to, to, to how, what we're seeing from our strikers at the moment. Although, you know, yeah, you know. Clive, I don't think I'm underestimating Basuma's technical ability. I think I'm comparing it to certain players who I think have got better technical ability. I think this is something that people misconstrue sometimes. If you say that you want more of something, people construe that as me saying, I don't think they have technical ability. That's not what I'm saying about Basuma. I think that his technical ability is, is greater than that of someone like Granit Xhaka, but I want someone with better technical ability than Basuma to play that role with his qualities. Now, if we end up getting Basuma, it's still an upgrade. But what I get frustrated about sometimes is when people misconstrue you saying you want more of something from someone is saying that they don't have any of it, which is not what I am saying at any stage. So just wanted to make that clear, Clive. <laughs> uh, Zach Stacey says, Hey, Tom, Arsenal are in need of a goalkeeper, right-back, centre-mid and attacking midfielder. And based on current problems, a striker too. Who would be your first choice in each position? Wow, that's a big question, Zach. Um, goalkeeper, uh, probably Onana, um, despite him not being homegrown. Cheap, better technical skill on the ball, ironically. Better playing out from the back. Still a good shot stopper and good goalkeeper. Central midfield, I would pick Bruno Gimaraes from the centre midfielders that we are linked with. Attacking midfield, um, if I had no, like based upon no limitations, James Madison, next Martin Erdegaard. But based on no financial limitations, based upon what's realistic, would choose Martin Erdegaard. Um, and striker, Lataro Martinez. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Nilfahan says, uh, Hi Tom, are we still trying to get an English spine? And what's the benefit apart from communication 
and the homegrown rule. Um, it's obviously, it's easy to say, apart from those two factors, they are two big important factors, communication, uh, chemistry, uh, kind of that in-sync nature of being on the pitch. Homegrown rule, that could get diminished at any time by the Premier League. That's important. And it's also, it's it's just good. It's just good for the dressing room. It's good for that kind of element of it. But it is more expensive. It's good to have that spine. But I can't really give you too many more benefits to it other than those two. But they need to be quality players. It's not like you're sacrificing quality just to get a homegrown player unless you spend £26 million on Rams now. That's that's kind of the issue with that one is that I don't think he's worth 26 million quid. So that's that's kind of the problem with that one. Um, let's scroll down a little bit more. Tim Jallo says, Xhaka quality, long passing, um, weakness, football IQ, pace of mind, technical ability, mobility, pace, first touch, short passing, defensive ability, big error prone, not good enough for Arsenal. I think that you've missed out quite a few of the qualities on that list, man. Uh, maybe exaggerates on the negative, but I take your point. Uh, Wilson says, I still believe that Arsenal need one or two goalkeepers, a right back, uh, two central midfielders, an attacking midfielder, and the possibility of a striker. We have got so much work to do. Um, we do. You're not wrong, mate. Uh, King Shivora says, is Calvert-Lewin better than Martinez? I think he would be the perfect for the type of the crosses that Tierney puts into the box. Tierney puts in, on average, a, a few crosses a game. And not all of them reach their target. I'm not sure it's worth prioritising a striker for a very niche scenario like Calvert-Lewin. Also, ironically, Tammy Abraham's conversion statistics are better than that of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, despite him having more chances, it seems, in a Chelsea side compared to Dominic Calvert-Lewin in a uh, Everton team. Maybe if, maybe if Calvert-Lewin was in Chelsea, it might be different. Who knows? But I like Lataro Martinez because I like how versatile he is. I like the breadth of qualities that he possesses. I like his pace. I like his movement. I like his ability to set his teammates up, his unselfish nature in the side. And I think that Arteta would like that about his game. I love the fact he wins so many offensive duels in the sense that he wins as a five foot nine player. He's really good at using his low center of gravity to off balance opposition players, turn them, spin, link players up. And he's great in the box. And he's good in the air. Like <laughs> He's got a good head of the ball. Like Something that's underrated about for a, quite a small player. When he wins his headers, they're quite good. So, absolutely, Lautaro Martinez, I think, is one of those big transformative figures that if Arsenal were to sign would be a really good option for us. Anyway, I've been going on for quite a while and I am starting shift very soon, guys. So, I'm going to wrap things up there. Thank you ever so much, guys. Uh, for coming in. Much appreciate you turning up as always. Please drop a like on the video. Would much appreciate. It's been a really good discussion with lots of differing views and opinions. Uh, so yeah, do drop a like. Subscribe if you're new. Make sure you're tuning back a little bit later on tonight. 8pm UK time. I'll be joined by Next Generation Arsenal to talk all about Arsenal's youth setup. How following Balogun may progress this season. What we might see from Miguel Aziz. The impact of Mika Biref joining the under-23 squad. Charlie Patino. Is he indeed the big player that Arsenal desperately want and need him to be in the future lots to talk about lots to discuss other than that i'll be back tomorrow morning as always at 8 a.m for your next transfer update show i'll also be joined by a few members in tomorrow's uh members podcast and we do a an arsenal transfer podcast with a few of our members from the discord server if you'd like to join the discord server you can do by becoming an expert member or a tgt ambassador and uh you know you could be on here on the show having your say so there you go it's been an absolute pleasure guys i'll see you very soon and uh as always up the arsenal
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.